Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, Thomas Wilkinson shares a story about darkness and freedom. Hello, everybody. My name is Thomas Wilkinson. My, my story uh, takes place a few years back. I was 23 years old when this all started off. And uh, at this point in my life, I, um, I was living in Virginia Beach with my then-girlfriend and uh, just really smoking a lot of marijuana, actually. That was pretty much what I woke up for every day. I, uh, I just started working at a, a pizza place in Pembroke Mall, a really shitty place that I'm not going to mention by name because I, I don't want to actually endorse the establishment. Uh, I only started working there because I had recently gotten fired from Ticketmaster because they frowned upon the fact that I like to use accents when taking calls from customers. <laughs> and uh, I had rent to pay. I uh, literally, as soon as I walked out the building, I walked to the mall, saw they were hiring, got the job immediately. And within the first couple days, I realized that this was not the job for me. So I, I stopped smoking weed because real jobs have piss tests, or at least they did then. It's not that much different now, but so I, I stopped, and uh, someone enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> wasn't expecting a laugh right there, but uh, I start working at this pizza place, and uh, right as this happens, like a couple, maybe a week or so after I, I start working there, I found out my girlfriend at the time was pregnant, and uh, it scared the shit out of me, to be completely honest. I, I was 23. I wasn't prepared for this. I had dropped out of high school, and even though I had my GED at this point in my life, I realized my marketable skills were washing dishes and telemarketing. It wasn't really a great avenue to raise a child, and uh, it, it really it, it, it started me thinking about things. And uh, Fortunately for me in the circumstances I was in that uh, about a week or so after that I, I got a call at work and I find out my girlfriend's in the hospital I go to the hospital and I find out the pregnancy is ectopic and they had to terminate it to save you know to, for her safety and uh, it, it was a weird a bittersweet moment because I already started to imagine myself as a father but at the same point I knew I wasn't ready so I was I, I dodged a bullet it was it was really a close call and I started thinking more and more at this point, like I, I stopped smoking weed and I was, you know, reassessing my life and my goal and the directions I was taking. And, and it, that, that existential crisis led me to the recruiter's office. And uh, I was, uh, I figured, you know, it's a family tradition. Five generations of male before me have joined the Navy and served proudly. So I went in and I signed up to be in the Army. I... Um, <laughs> I've always been a bit of a nonconformist, and uh, even beyond that, it really came down to the fact that if I was on a ship and it got hit by a torpedo and it sank, I'd have to fight off sharks to live, and at least in the Army, I have dirt to run on, and that was all that really mattered to me. I, I figured, you know, they're going to teach me a trade, they're going to give me money for college, they're going to give me a direction to take in life, and I was, I was excited for a, a moment in my life, and it was great. I was going to do something that made my life worth something, and I... Got ready, I got, uh, ended my lease, I uh, packed up everything, I, I got ready to go off to basic training, and right before I left, uh, my girlfriend at the time, I had uh, been dating for about 10 months, we lived together for about six of those, and uh, I decided before I left, I wanted to marry her, so I asked her to marry me, went off to basic training, did all of that eight weeks went to AIT, the school you go to after basic to learn your job in the military. And uh, first break I had from that, first uh, Memorial Day weekend, first long weekend I had, I came home and I married her. 
and then I went back because that's, you know, I was committed to being in the Army. And I, I learned a job. They did give me a trade. I learned communications. And then as soon as I finished, they sent me off to Germany. And since I wasn't married when I joined, it was a long, arduous process to actually get my wife there. And it was a good year before I really got to see her again after we were married. But I did have a trade. The Army taught me communications. And I was in a unit that got deployed a lot. I got sent to the field all the time for training exercises. And that was fucking awesome. Because my job involved being able to get on the Internet and call home. And people wanted to be my friend. It was great. Every morning, steak and eggs for breakfast, shrimp and steak at night for dinner. And it, it was great. I actually had this moment of camaraderie. In fact, it, to this day, I've never had that level of camaraderie with anybody I work with. I have friends that I, I know from jobs that are really close to me. But I've never had that feeling that, like, this is someone who would be willing to put their life before mine to save me as part of, you know, our overall goal. And it was, a, it was a great feeling. I actually, I loved being in the Army because I joined before 9-11, to be completely honest. It was a different Army than we have now. When I tell people about my service, it's a weird feeling because I fucked off constantly. I was really good at doing the technical aspects of my job, and that got me away, that I got away with a lot of shit because of that. For the most part, even though I learned a trade, what I really learned was how to pass a piss test. I constantly smoked hash while I was in the Army. You can't really find weed in Europe. You've got to go to Amsterdam, and that's kind of a hassle when you live in Germany. But we could get mushrooms all the time, every weekend. And the military doesn't drug test for mushrooms. It was great. I actually I thought this was going to be my career path, and then... 9-11 happened. I remember when 9-11 happened because I was home on my lunch break. I was smoking hash in my bathroom because I lived in, you know, base housing, and that's the only room in the house with an exhaust fan. And, you know, I realized the dangers of what I'm doing. I, I know I'm taking a risk, but I didn't care. And I turn on the news, and I see the plane crash into the first tower, and I'm high, and I'm thinking, damn, that pilot really fucked up. I didn't even think. <laughs> it wasn't an, like a terror attack in my mind of that moment. It was just a terrible, terrible accident. And then I get to work after getting high on my lunch break, and then I hear about the second tower going, getting hit, and then I hear about the Pentagon, and all of a sudden, we can't even get on the internet from work. They shut it down, and we do communications. We're in charge of the internet, and they're not even allowing us to see what's going on in the world around us. And overnight, Everything changed. Everybody got really serious. All of a sudden, they wanted us to be armed with actual munitions. And, like, most of the time when we carried our rifles around, it was an unloaded weapon. We didn't even carry rounds with us. And then all of a sudden, everywhere we went, we always had them. And at this moment, my wife, who, my ex-girlfriend who became my wife, or my, yeah, it's, it's convoluted, I'm sorry. Uh, she, she was my wife at this point in the story. But, uh... <laughs> But uh, she was also eight months pregnant on the day of the 9-11 attack. And my son was born October 17th. I actually made jokes that she was in the fourth trimester because she was pregnant so long. She hated it. But the worst part was the fact that because of everything locking down and everyone getting on high alert, just to go the 25-minute drive to the hospital also required an hour wait to get through security because they were checking everything. And that made things hectic. And nonetheless, everything worked out. My son was born. And right, right before he was born, or right after he was born, I'm sorry, I, I found out that they were kicking me out of the Army. 
And it wasn't that I did anything wrong. I know I did a lot of drugs, and I've owned up to it on this stage, but I never got caught for that. I, I was getting kicked out on medical disability, and I had this, I had re-enlisted, I had this goal of this being my career, and then all of a sudden it was taken from me because I said I was no longer fit for service. And that was a real kick in the fucking soul. It really knocked the wind out of me because at that point I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I had this trade, but I had never gone down the avenue of actually applying it and working in that field, and, and it scared me. And I, and I got out of the Army, and I came home, and I, I started working in, in IT. And... It's not a bad field if you like it, but it wasn't for me. I, I hated it. Fast forward uh, a few years later, six years down the line, I have my son, and the only thing in my life that brings me any pleasure, any joy, anything that I look forward to is when I wake up in the morning, I get to get him up in the morning. I get to get him dressed. I get to have him brush his teeth, make his breakfast, pack his lunch, walk him to the bus stop, and see him on the bus. After that, I go to a job I hate. I can't stand. I, I really I, I loathe it in, in a fashion that I don't know that I have the lexicon to describe. And every day, I'm hoping this is the day someone just snaps. Maybe this is the day someone gets all disgruntled and starts shooting people in the office, and they'll put me out of this. And it, I'm glad you're laughing. It was actually a very toxic moment in my life. I, uh, I internalized all this hatred and negativity and just these ill feelings, and ultimately I started to exude them. I became a miserable person. Everything around me was contaminated. The only thing that was any saving grace in my life was my son. And then one day, and, I, and there's no blame or fault, not, not, I, I'm not casting any dispersions, but one day I came home, everything was gone all the furniture, all the food from the fridge, and my son. Nothing left. A couple of, my clothing was it, a couple of pieces of furniture that were really heavy. That was the extent. Everything that mattered to me in my life was taken away, as well as all the superfluous bullshit that just kind of accumulates as you go through your existence. And I lost my desire to even go to work, and honestly, that was just the first domino in, in a real dark downward spiral within two months after that I I stopped going to work and I started drinking constantly just a lot a lot of alcohol and after that I stopped paying my bills my house got foreclosed and that was inevitable because I didn't have the money on my own to pay for it my car got repossessed and then I got fired and it was just like thank you Lord for shitting all over me I uh, I was it was really in the darkest moment in my life and I I began drinking really even more excessively, and one night I decided that I was done with everything, and I washed down a bottle of Oxycontin with a, uh, or, or, yeah, with a bottle of Jack Daniels, and uh, I, I had proceeded to sleep for three days. I didn't actually expect I would ever wake up, but when I did, I was in a bed covered in vomit and shit and all alone, and I realized that it was never going to get lower than that, even though I was at this really terrible point where I watched everything that I was ever cared about just dissolve and go away. At the end of the day, I, I was left with a life that was completely free for me to do whatever I want with it, be it take it or take it in any direction I wanted to. That was Thomas Wilkinson on finding freedom after his lowest moment. Thanks, Thomas, for sharing your story. 
I'm Deb Markham, and you've been listening to Tell Me More Live. If you'd like to join us at the live event or help out in any way, visit tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find our online submission and contact forms, a schedule of upcoming shows, and more storyteller podcasts. Thanks for listening, and remember, a happy ending always depends on where the story ends.